Welcome everyone to the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host Isaiah and as always, thanks for listening. Alright ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you that on June the 5th, we will be staying at the 1790 Inn and one of the most haunted rooms in the city of Savannah, Georgia. But to be able to follow us along with that, you're going to have to follow us on social media. So be sure to follow us on Facebook at the Southern Spectre Podcast and uh, follow us on uh, Instagram as well at the Southern Spectre. So that way you guys are there, you're locked in and you're ready to go. So when we start live streaming, when we do, you will, you will know it. So that'll be good. Uh, let's see. Just a couple of things I wanted to make you guys aware of as well that, you know, really doesn't have anything to do with the show. Oh, Lord, I'm about to fall out my chair. Uh, but if you guys are big into horror movies like myself, uh, June 24th. Oh, Lord, got the wrong date. June 4th, the day before we go to Savannah. The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, will be available in theaters as well as HBO Max. I cannot wait for this movie to come out. I have been waiting on this movie. I love The Conjuring franchise. Most of the side stories like Annabelle and The Nun, um, I was not too big on The Curse of La Llorona, but... Uh, anyway, nonetheless, they're all great movies. I really look forward to uh, seeing what happens, you know. So I, I really, I'm a huge fan of uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. I love their stories. I love the the tales and everything. And if you're like me, you're probably looking forward to this one as well. Uh, also, in July, three movies. Three movies. They all tie in together, Okay. These three movies tie in together, and it is an actual Fear Street series. I don't know how many of you guys actually remember the books Fear Street, but they are written by R.L. Stein, uh, same guy who wrote uh, Goosebumps. And but these were uh, by the books. Uh, Goosebumps were for a younger crowd, and Fear Street was for an older crowd. And uh, these were these were uh, at the time. I remember they used to be you know, rather out there. So those three movies will be coming out in July. I don't have any dates written down for you, but there's three movies and it's apparently one story. So I think like the first, I want to say the first one either comes out like the second of July or the third of July, but long story short, these three movies are going to add up to create one whole story. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. So you got three movies, three weeks, and they're all going to be released on Netflix. So Fear Street, I guess, trilogy will be heading to Netflix. I'm looking forward to that one. Also, if you don't know about this one already, this is a YouTube, a YouTube channel. And they've been around probably about the past four or five years. And I have really, really grown to love this channel. Uh, they don't beat around the bush too much about what they're showing. So I really love it. It's called Nukes Top 5. If you have not seen these videos, you need to go check them out. 
Some of the earlier videos are a little cheesy, but it's still good stuff. And it's it's right along with it's right in our wheelhouse. OK, I mean, this is uh, videos that people have claimed to uh, witness of things people have claimed to witness ghosts, demons, shadow people, possessions, uh, poltergeist, what have you. And it's uh, cryptids. It's amazing. I mean, this stuff is pretty out there. And I mean, I have never, I've never seen any of these videos online uh, outside of Nuke's top five. So they, they got some really good videos on there. Most of the videos are videos that either have been found across YouTube, on the internet or whatever. Some people even uh, send him uh, videos straight directly. He usually does a top five videos. Uh, these videos range anywhere, I'd say, as far as the entire length of his videos last anywhere, I'd say about 10 to uh 30 minutes long and you know it's good quality content and he kind of breaks things down and explains the situation and stuff like that and i really enjoy I, I really look forward to when he puts out a new video so if you're into that kind of stuff go check this channel out nukes top five i promise you you will not be disappointed and besides he's got pretty uh, a pretty impressive back catalog so you can you can just take like a night and watch it all in one go so what we're going to do on this episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I really enjoyed the way I did the last episode, the Disney episode, and kind of building on that. What I would like to do is, uh, let's see, I have a few more Disney things that I would like to kind of dive into. Not many, but a few that I would like to dive into. And then um, I want to talk about some of these movies that um have been brought up that i've kind of come across here recently and are part of my childhood and you know it being halfway to halloween i thought i'd share some of those with you some of them are cheesy but they're all scary in the scary genre comical whatever but they all those are the ones that kind of make me feel you know excited for halloween so but anyway we'll get on into it and uh at the end of it the very last thing i'm going to share with you is one of the most cursed films of all time so uh without any further jumping around we're going to go ahead and i'm going to continue on with the dark disney and what i'm going to share with you now are some of the darker disney fan theories that i thought were really like compelling uh, to be honest. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and give you a warning. Uh, these actually refer to some of the movies, young, you know, older movies and newer movies. So some of these, if you haven't seen them already, um, I would definitely suggest you may want to skip over this part because they are, you know, spoilers ahead. So, uh, number one, and actually found this one here on one of Nuke's uh, videos. But have you ever noticed in most Disney movies, one or both parents of one of the main characters are dead? Think about it. Snow White, mom's dead. Um, who else? Think of anything. Bambi, mom's dead. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, both parents dead. 
the only one that I can think of right offhand is Peter Pan. Both of the parents were there. Uh, yeah, now that I think about it, even in Frozen, Frozen parents were dead. Yeah, Frozen parents were dead. Uh, there's a bunch of them when you think about it. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, mom dead. Uh, let's see what else? Cinderella, mom dead. Was mom dead? I can't remember that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you think about it, you got some creepy vibes going on there, Disney. All right. So first of all, we're going to talk about, uh, Peter Pan. Okay. Peter Pan and Captain Hook. Now these are two theories about the movie Peter Pan, but in my opinion, they both can't be true because if they were, they kind of cancel each other out. And I'll explain why. So first off, Peter Pan, Sorry, my phone keeps going off like freaking you wouldn't believe. But anyway, Peter Pan is uh, a theory is that Peter Pan is actually the angel of death and that it's his job to escort children's souls to the afterlife or Neverland. Okay, that's a theory. It's a theory. Okay, uh, but in the same hand, it is believed, uh, another theory, is that Captain Hook actually killed Ariel from The Little Mermaid, actually killed her mother. And the reason being is that if you go back and you watch the movie Peter Pan, uh, they are in Mermaid Lagoon, and there is a red-headed mermaid that is sitting up on the rock. Um, a lot of people have speculated that this could potentially be Ariel's mother, although there's no further evidence to substantiate this. It's a theory, it's a fan theory. So if that were Ariel's mother, this would give King Triton reason to distrust humans so much. Okay. And a lot of people also speculate because if you go back and watch the little mermaid, that there is a sunken pirate ship that uh, Ariel encounters at one point during the movie. And a lot of people say that this was Captain Hook's ship. But like I said, if that were the case, they would completely cancel each other out. Because in my opinion, uh, if Peter Pan is the angel of... Wow. Yeah, if Peter Pan... I just... <laughs> Because if Peter Pan is the actual angel of death, then what is Captain Hook doing in Neverland? But although that could go back to the fact that his, his ship sunk. However, wow, I never even thought about that. It does all kind of add up, doesn't it? I did not trace this out beforehand. So if they're in the afterlife, if, if Neverland is the afterlife, then Ariel's mother, Captain Hook... And Peter Pan and all the Lost Boys are in, they're dead. <laughs> wow, I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. All right, here's another one. Um, Boo, Monsters, Inc. We're jumping to Monsters, Inc. Some people have speculated that Boo from Monsters, Inc. is actually, in fact, a younger version of Violet from The Incredibles. Now... This, to me, makes a lot of sense. Uh, all right, so Boo dressed up as one of the monsters, correct? So 
they did that to disguise her. They had her in disguise as one of the monsters, so she would kind of blend in with her surroundings. Well, Violet from The Incredibles, one of her one of her uh, powers is that she can make herself invisible. And if you notice in Monsters, Inc., when there, there's a lot of times when they lose track of Boo. And when they lose track of her, they can't seem to find her. That's what made her really so good at hide and seek because she couldn't necessarily control her powers. And you see where I'm going with this? She would become invisible and it made it that much harder for them to find her, which I thought was pretty cool. Now, speaking of Monsters, Inc., this is a newer movie, but Inside Out. If you haven't seen it, spoilers ahead. Bing Bong from Inside Out is not is it, it's a memory of Riley, but of Riley's is one of Riley's memories. But instead of being an imaginary friend, he's actually a monster from Monsters Incorporated. And why does that make sense? Because Bing Bong looked like a monster. He was kind of part elephant and a little bit of this and a little bit of that all thrown in together but he was funny he was funny but at the end of monsters inc what ended up happening they realized that uh making kids laugh was more powerful than making kids afraid you know scaring the crap out of the kids so they switched over to making the kids laugh which would make sense because bing bong makes her laugh it's a very tearful movie i'll tell you that right now inside that had me crying all right. Um, another one is the movie. We're jumping to the movie up now. So Carl uh, Fredrickson is was actually dead the whole time. So the way this one goes is that he is, you know, he he's a crabby old man, and uh, he with good reason to be, and uh, he has. Russell, you know, little boy Russell, who comes along to uh, try to earn some badges by helping Mr. Fredrickson cross the street. He's on the porch whenever the house takes off. Well, the thing about it is, is that a lot of people speculate that Russell is, in fact, Carl's guardian angel. And much like the, what was the old movie? And much like the movie It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Russell is trying to gain his wings by gain, you know, and, but in this circumstance, he's gaining a badge. So, but you got to think about it. He's trying to find paradise, so to speak. And his paradise is putting the house up on the, uh, at the top of the falls, uh, of course, for his late wife, Ellie. And, um, it's not until that point that, he says he's satisfied and uh what's the guy's name munson was it munson was the bad guy in the movie with the dogs the talking dogs with their collar on well anyway a lot of people think that he represents evil of course and that the dogs are his hellhounds okay so there you go um another one this is two different franchises not Disney, but okay. So the donkey from Shrek, donkey from Shrek is in fact, one of the boys from Pinocchio. Um, 
because you know in the movie Pinocchio, the kids when they get bad and they start acting a certain way, they start acting like a bunch of jackasses. So and that's eventually what they turn into is you know a bunch of donkeys, and that's why Donkey from Shrek can actually talk. So there's that one there as well. And the last one we're going to cover is Moana. Once again, if you haven't seen Moana, spoilers ahead. A lot of people speculate that Moana actually died in the storm at the beginning of the movie. Why? Because after the storm occurred, she never interacted with any other humans until after her mission was complete. Everybody that she interacted with after the storm uh, was deities and demigods. So she had to return the heart of Tafiti, right? She was dead up until she actually returned the heart of Tafiti, at which point Tafiti brought her back to life. That's how she was able to go back to her family. Pretty cool stuff. I enjoyed these. I thought you guys would too. All right. So first of all, I'd like to talk about a few movies from back in my childhood. Maybe you guys remember these. Maybe you don't. Maybe you came across them at the video rental store. Maybe you didn't. All right, this first movie is a weird one. It's out there. Please forgive me. But for whatever reason, at eight years old, ten years old, I love this movie. I don't know why. I have no answers for you. But the name of the movie, I think it came out in 1984. But the name of this movie is, in fact, Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Yes, I know. Uh, I'm going to... It is... <laughs> It was based under, it was based on kind of like a musical almost. Uh, it was it was a lot of B movie type stuff. You had aliens coming down. They came down in this rock uh, guitar looking spaceship. Uh, they all come down. I think it was like maybe five or six of them. They came down and they came to rock. They came to share their music, and of course they landed in this little rinky dink town. And uh, if for those of you that grew up in the 80s, you remember an actress by the name of Pia Zadora. Well, she was in this movie. She played the female lead in this movie. And her name in the movie was Dee Dee. Okay, she loved to sing. But her boyfriend Frankie felt like he should be the only one singing. Guys are supposed to be the only one singing, I think. Very sexist indeed. But anyway. He was against her singing or whatnot, but she loved to. And so when the rock aliens came, Dee Dee kind of got attached to one of the aliens. And so this is a musical, believe it or not. Uh, trying to think of else who was in this movie. Uh, the guy who played Frankie, he's a lot older now. His name was Craig Sheffer. He played in a bunch of movies. I remember seeing him in any of them right now. I could not even tell you what they were. Maybe you know him. Uh I'm trying to think of the guy's name. I can't think of him, but he played one of the crazies in uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Okay. But his character in this movie, he was a side character, but his name in the movie, best name ever, Chainsaw. And throughout the entire movie, from what I remember, because it's been years since I actually sat down and watched this, but from what I remember, he literally carried a chainsaw around. And... At one point, um, toward the beginning of the movie, uh, there you see one of these aliens. I don't recall how this alien actually got there, but you know, you got all these kids hanging around at this lake, and there's a monster in the lake. Uh, the monster has tentacles, it's very fake, 
It's very, very fake. Poor effects all around. But for whatever reason, I love this movie. So he, this, this eventually throughout the course of the movie, this monster is released from the lake. And at the end of the movie, the monster has grown incredibly in size and it's taken over the school and trying to take over the town. And at one point, <laughs> it's like a le- a leviathan, a-, a-, a giant octopus almost. Okay. And this, he, he's, he plays the hero, I guess you could say. So anyway, this, this monster is trying to take over the town and everything. And chainsaw is trying to get his train chainsaw cranked like he has been the entire movie. Okay, he has not been able to get this chainsaw running. Well, one of the other female characters in the movie, I've seen her on other movies as well. Can't think of her name. Doesn't really matter. But anyway, him and her kind of form a bond. Okay, and the reason being is because she's good at mechanics and she kind of helps him out with getting his chainsaw to start. And so once he gets it started or she gets it started, he uses the chainsaw and just rips the monster to shreds. He just cuts the tentacles off and everything. It's it's bloody good time, right? I know I was a weird kid, (laughs) but anyway, this one, um, like I said, this is a, this is a sci-fi comedy horror musical. If I I don't know what, however you want to describe it. Uh, but I guess it was made out of the same love that Rocky horror was made out of. Maybe, I don't know, but anyway, it's no Rocky horror. I promise you. But anyway, there was a surprise cameo in there by a big time singer. And so I'm going to play you a little taste right now and we're going to see how this goes. Uh, So this is When the Rain Begins to Fall by Piazzadora and Jermaine Jackson. I'm not going to play the whole song. Don't worry. To hear the whole song, you're going to have to go watch the movie. So anyway, When the Rain Begins to Fall. Pump up the jam. Pump, 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 pump up the jam. <laughs> that is 80s techno at its finest.
All right, that was Piazzadora and Jermaine Jackson with When the Rain Begins to Fall, directly off of the album Voyage of the Rock Aliens. And like I said, there's a ton of cheesy hits all over here. I'm going to play you one more uh, that is played toward the beginning of the movie. And just by the way, when you watch that whole, uh, it's like an 80s music video montage when you watch that whole when the rain begins to fall there are people leaning up against buildings with their you know one foot cocked up against the wall one on the ground and they're leaning up there like they have nothing else better better to do uh you know with the pose with the hands behind the back leaning on, on the wall i mean seriously this is a complete 80s montage and it just it doesn't get any cheesier than this i promise you all right, so the next song I want to play you off of this soundtrack is called, the song is called Real Love. It's sang by Piazzadora, okay? And this is saying, this is sung, sang, sung at the beginning of the movie, or toward the beginning of the movie. And it is just so 80s cheat. This is a cheese fest. I'm not going to wait around any longer. I'm just going to play it for you. Um, not the whole thing, just a few few moments. So bear bear with me. Listen to that cheesy beat. you heard the lady that's what she wants okay i'm telling you that this is this is the greatest thing (laughs) all right so anyway the next song uh, this is the last one i promise you but this band i swear this song that i'm about to play was actually featured in another 80s maybe that was 90s i can't remember either way the movie the wizard with fred savage and the red-headed girl i can't think of her name jenny lewis is it jenny jenny lewis yeah because she's a big time singer now but anyway jenny lewis fred savage and his uh slightly off little brother in the movie and they're trying to get out to california california remember california okay so but anyway i swear there was a there was a scene in there a little bit of a biker montage where they're trying to get across the country and they're riding on the backs of harleys with you know hell's angels or whatever so i believe this song was actually featured during that montage i could be completely wrong but i swear when i was younger i thought this was the same band i don't know if it actually is excuse me it very well could be but i could have swore this was the scorpions but anyway without further ado this one's called open hearted it's by the band real life here we go
<laughs> All right. Uh, that's probably going to be the last one I play off of there. But anyway, long story short, it was a cheese fest all the way around. I can't stress that enough. So I'm giving you a preemptive warning that if you go to try and track this movie down, just be prepared, okay? It was not the best back then, but to my eight-year-old brain, it processed otherwise, okay? Uh, the next one I'd like to talk about, actually, I got it wrote down here somewhere, but anyway, we're going to jump right into it, which was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, I loved, I love the Rocky Horror Picture Show, even still today, and it holds up so well, it's not even funny. Um, you know, you got, number one, you got a great cast in there. You got Susan Sarandon, Barry Bostwick, not saying Barry Bostwick's great, but I think he's been on a few TV shows, maybe a few movies. Tim curry this guy played the devil in legend he i'm legend he is a legend before there was a legend and uh not to mention a very young slightly slimmer meatloaf uh that not fat fat shaming the guy okay i'm a big guy myself but you know i'm just saying how young he was okay um Let's see who else is in this movie. Little Nell, can't forget her, and of course Richard O'Brien, who plays uh, Riff Raff. If I was to dress up as anybody for Halloween, it would be Riff Raff. Master, oh my gosh, I love this. This is a great movie. It has over the years, you know, it started out as a play actually, and uh, I believe they were doing it in London. It started in London, and it grew fun exponentially and then i'm not sure if they actually brought the play to uh the states maybe eventually they did you know more modern broadway or something but the movie was made i remember when my parents actually went to the video store and rented this and of course back then as a kid you could watch anything on tv that your parents were watching and uh i just remember i'm like what the hell am i watching you know, and it was the weirdest thing. And over time, it was one of those movies over time that I would come across on the TV channels uh, more than once across the years. And eventually, you know, you just kind of grow to love it. And uh, this is I, I love this. And uh, of course, aside from Richard O'Brien's um, riffraff character, my second favorite character in this that I would like to play as is Eddie which is portrayed by meatloaf i love eddie uh i know he's not around very much and i know how he ends up but i i just love eddie's character and as a matter of fact he sings one of my most favorite songs in the movie here we go with hot patootie bless my soul Yes, really love that rock and roll. Man, that is a great song. That is 
you just can't go wrong with that one um i love all of them uh i have to say my next favorite would probably aside from the time warp okay aside from the time warp my next favorite one would probably be rose tint my world um uh, it's kind of a mixture but my favorite portion of that one is uh we're a wild and untamed thing we'll be with the delay sting i'm gonna hit it and your mind goes bang your eyes pumping your blood wheels so let the party and the sounds rock on oh look i gotta stop <laughs> but anyway great soundtrack if you don't have it on your playlist go get it um that's like phenomenal halloween 80s halloween at its best and it holds up well you can't great and i've always wanted to go to the old-fashioned theaters where you get your your supplies water guns and toilet paper and all that stuff and you get your list of things to say when certain characters say something you yell something back so it's a lot of audience participation and i've always wanted to do that i want to throw a rocky horror picture show party that would be awesome and amazing damn it janet okay but anyway uh, moving on, everybody's familiar with Rocky Horror, so moving on from there, the next one I'd like to discuss, if I can find my paper, is Labyrinth. You cannot go wrong with Labyrinth. Uh, Labyrinth is just, it's Jim Henson magic at its best. And, you know, speaking of magic, My baby's love had gone and left my baby blue. Nobody knew what kind of magic spell to use. Slime or snail, or puppy dog tails, thunder or lightning, and baby said, Dance, magic, dance, magic, dance, magic, dance, magic, dance. Oh my gosh, sorry guys. I'm, I'm sorry if I ruined the song for you. You're overheard if I over or I won't say out song, but over song. Song over, Mr. David Bowie. My apologies, Starman. Uh, but uh, I mean, you just can't. This is Jim Henson's one of his finest hours. You got Jennifer Connelly, you got Ludo, Sarah, and you got Huggle, Hoggle, whatever his name is. Jeriff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, what was the what was the name of the oh my gosh. Uh the little redheaded things. Chili down. Yeah, I like that. That's man. This is this is 80s kid stuff right here. You cannot go wrong with this movie. This is a classic and it always will be. Sorry. But I love that. This is another one. Not very scary, but scary at 10 years old, you know? And uh, this is nostalgia. Oh, man. All right. So 
this is another one that everybody knows. I'm not going to waste around too much on the soundtrack, although I really wish I could. <laughs> All right, so moving on. The next one I have on my list is called Invaders from Mars. I don't know if anybody else knows this movie, but I do remember it was a little blonde, blonde-headed fella, little boy, and, you know, it plays off of the trope how some kids think their teacher, their school teacher, is an alien. Well, in this movie, that happens to be the case. So he sees some things that are going on outside of his backyard, outside of his window. And uh, aliens landed in his backyard. Well, they kind of took over his teacher. And she starts to act kind of strange. And she plays her part right. I, don't, I feel like this lady played in another movie, but I can't remember what. So... It's up to him to kind of save his hometown, his parents, and all that other stuff. And there's these big, red, nasty-looking aliens at the end of it. This is a great movie. Uh, big science fiction movie. If you're into that type of stuff, you will love this movie. I just remember loving this movie as a kid. Very great movie. I'm not going to hang on to it too long. Uh, next one is another big one, and I still love this movie today, and I'll watch it anytime I can. The Monster Squad. Oh my gosh, this movie rocked as a kid. And I have to say, uh, the guy who played the werewolf in this movie, not the guy in the makeup, but the guy who played the werewolf when he was in human form, uh, was the same guy who played Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite, if you didn't know. He was also the one that played uh, Laszlo in Real Genius with Val Kilmer. Uh, this guy is a phenomenal actor to be honest with you. And I thought he did an exceptional job in this movie. No, all jokes aside, this, uh, this is one of my most favorite portrayals of a werewolf or wolfman as they were wolfman's got nards in a movie. Okay. I love this movie. This is great storytelling. Um, even down to the pilots that are flying the airplane that is actually transporting, uh, Dracula because, they hear a noise and one of the the co-pilots like hey did you hear that and he's like yeah yeah let's go and he's like he's oh no i'm gonna stay up here he's like you're not gonna come check it out with me he's like oh no don't worry i'll stay up here and make spooky sounds that is that is phenomenal acting i mean there's not a whole lot wrong with this movie in actuality there's not a whole lot this is this was a great movie even the kids uh you know how many kids can say that they can crawl out onto their their rooftop and sit with their dad eating a burger and drinking a shake and watch a drive-in theater through binoculars. How cool would that be as a kid in the 80s? Even now, as a grown man, if there was a drive-in close enough to me, I would do the same thing right now. All jokes aside, you could not stop me. Uh, so yeah, I I adore this movie. I really do. Um Gosh, what was that? I can't I can remember the mom. The mom in this movie was the mom in Goonies. Actually, yes. And I'm trying to think of what else is going on in this movie. Oh, okay, so you got Dracula and he's after this amulet. You got Van Helsing who's trying to stop him, but he doesn't show up till the end of the movie. Uh the little dark haired girl uh, that played Phoebe in the movie and befriends Frankenstein, uh I always thought it was Sarah Gilbert from the Roseanne show, but unfortunately I was wrong about that. Uh, but one thing I do like is that they used, they utilized classic horror movie characters and they put a new spin on them. 
they stayed true to the classics, but they put kind of like a modern day spin on or an 80s day spin on them, so to speak. So you got this group of kids and they form a monster club, the monster squad, and they figure out what's going on in town and it's up to them to save the day. And they do an exceptional job. You know, you got what they call uh, Horace. His name is Horace, but everybody calls him fat kid in the movie. And he takes care of the creature from the black lagoon, uh, fish man, fish face, whatever they call him in the movie. Wolfman, Wolfman's got nards. I mean, some of the best lines are in this movie. Um, oh gosh, you got, uh, vampires running everywhere, running wild everywhere. And it, I've, I've heard this as a story, but the actor who played Dracula in there, there's a scene toward the end of the movie where he picks up the little girl and grabs her, you know, of course it's all fake make, make believe, but he grabs her and picks her up by her chin. And holds her up and says, give me the amulet, you bitch. And she starts screaming. And when she screams, her reaction is real because they said that was the first time that she saw the guy who played Dracula in full get up and didn't realize how scary he was. And so I thought that was pretty cool. And then, of course, you have scary German pie, uh, scary German pie, scary German guy. And as a matter of fact, yes, he invites the boys in to uh have pie all right boys this is your last chance for pie uh this is a great movie i love this movie i probably could quote it if i (laughs) if i took the time oh man uh and of course you got frankenstein i think it was doug jones i want to say doug jones played uh frankenstein in this movie you know doug jones is a naturally tall actor to begin with he actually played chewy Chewbacca in Star Wars, and I believe this was him as well. And uh, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest lines is this is sweet, it's endearing. Okay, so, but at the end of the movie, when the monsters are getting sucked into limbo, uh, Frankenstein is being pulled away because, of course, he's one of the monsters too. No matter how sweet he is, he's still a monster. And, uh, the little girl takes her stuffed dog who she calls scraps and throws it at Frankenstein and Frankenstein's like Phoebe. Uh, she could <laughs> bogus. Oh my gosh. That's great. Great stuff. I love it. This is eighties nostalgia at its best. Another one I'd like to talk about, and this was one of my favorite movies. I was much younger watching this one was the beast master. I love the beast master. I cannot, I remember rip torn, was in this movie and that was it. I remember they were burning babies at the top of a pyramid, throwing them into the fires, making sacrifices to the gods and such. And it was up to the beast master. Uh, he was a child. He was, he was brought forth kind of like by prophecy and it was his job to stop and save the day. Uh, you have a couple of ferrets. He was able to, he was able to be, you know, kind of be one with the animals. He had a lion, a tiger, a, a, a hawk. I'm probably naming of all the wrong animals. He had Toto and Poto. I remember that. They were little ferrets, and they were just totes adorbs. Um, but anyway, he was great with a sword. And he had like this little, I don't know, I want to call it a ninja star, but it was a blade. It was like a flying blade, really. And like it would fold up almost and when he threw it it would kind of be like a ninja star almost like a boomerang slash ninja stars slash 
piece of death metal, okay? That's what it was. Another one I want to talk about real quick is The Secret of Nim. Yes, I know this is a cartoon, but as a 10-year-old, this movie freaked me the hell out. Some of the drawings and cartoons and animation that they had back then was just flat-out creepy, and this was one of them. Okay, I don't remember a whole lot about it. I just remember that I can't... Uh, gosh, what was her name? I can't... Anyway, she's trying to save her little boy, okay? And she has to go and there's a prophecy and all this other stuff. And oh man, it's a great movie. But anyway, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Um, but this one is one I want to spend a little bit of time with. Uh, I'm going to actually try and pull up some music here on my phone while I talk, if that is a, 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 at all possible. Uh, but this move, uh, this is the one I'm going to talk about. <laughs> is freaking phenomenal and has always been phenomenal uh this one actually came on nickelodeon and uh i think this one actually debuted in the 90s but i remember it was part of a um it was part of a two-block hour called SNCC, which was short for Saturday Night Nickelodeon, uh, so to speak. And this thing freaked me the hell out. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, yes, they rebooted the franchise. Do I believe they should have? Absolutely not. Uh, this was Canadian made much like a lot of what was made on uh, our da, 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 da. much like a lot of the shows on Nickelodeon were. But this movie gave us a lot of uh, now famous actors, uh, Ryan Gosling, and there were some other ones on there as well. Um, so it follows the Midnight Society, if you don't know. And the Midnight Society would gather around uh, late at night and they would tell each other scary stories. There was a bunch of different kids from different walks of life, from different schools, but they were all friends outside of their, you know, natural circles. And so they would get together and tell each, tell freaky <laughs> stories. And so to give you that vibe, I am going to play the intro to this show. Wow, that gives me goosebumps even now. Uh, you know, some of the imagery just in the opening show titles right there are just creepy as all get out. And it's it's great. I mean, it was literal good storytelling as well. And so each each segment lasted about 30 minutes long and they had just enough time to get on there and tell their story. I hear a lot of people say that the the episode that really freaked them out the most was the tale of the dead man's float. I've seen that one. Yes, it is creepy, even still today. Um, about a creature manifesting under the water in a swimming pool. And 
it this thing comes up to get them and it's terrifying it really is and i mean you know looking at it today can you believe that something like that was back on a kid's show this one here um the one i'm about to tell you about freaked me the hell out i there's no bones about it this one freaked me the hell out this one was called the tale of laughing in the dark and to give you a little bit of backstory if you don't remember this one here had to do with Zebo. I think it was Zebo. Zebo the clown. Okay, so you got these two uh, two friends. Uh, one of them I can't remember his name, but we'll call him Richard because <laughs> he was a bit of a dick. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was, and his friend's name was Ouija. Ouija, not Luigi, but Ouija. Okay, I'll tell you that much. Okay, so there's this carnival that comes to town or is part of the town. I can't remember which. There's a bit of a fun house. And uh, the old man uh, who is standing outside, I don't remember what you call them. But anyway, he's like, it's the best ride in the park when you're laughing in the dark. And so, but what the whole episode alludes to was like, he was the actual ghost of Zebo the clown. And what happens is Ouija actually, you know, dares his buddy, his dick buddy and tells him, say, Hey, look, you know, you're, you're so not scared of everything. Why don't you go in there? And he said, I will, I will go face Zebo the clown. He says, okay. And as proof, you have to bring me back the nose of Zebo. And he says, fine. If I do, you have to wear it to school all week. And he's like, fine, that'll be the deal. He said, if not, if you don't succeed, I'll tell everybody what a big chicken you really are. And so the kid goes in there and he faces all this different stuff. But at the end of it, there he comes to a room where there's doors all the way around him. And he picks immediately. I th- No, maybe it's the second door. The second door he picks is the exit. So, um, uh, but he he's about to leave and he's like, crap, I've got to get his nose. So he has to look for Zebo. And one of them he opens up. And when he opens it up, this tall looking clown stat- statue that is just freaky as all get out comes out laughing at him. And he snatches his nose. He doesn't think much about it. He snatches it and he leaves. He runs. He gets the hell up out of there, which I don't blame him. Uh, so. That was the deal. He gets his nose and Zebo. Zebo was a clown, but he was a bit of a cigar smoker. Okay. And that's how the story got. They said that's how he met his demise is that he was somebody believed that he left a cigar still lit and that the whole attraction actually burned down around him and he died. Uh, so the kid goes home. He's bragging at his friend's house the next day. I got his nose. I got his nose. Well, strange things start to happen at home. He starts to smell cigar smoke. He, his mom leaves him like this casserole. He's like, oh, well, you know, there's, you know, there's stuff in there. You know, you can go heat yourself something up. So he throws this thing in the microwave or whatever. I don't even know what the hell it is. Uh, it looks like chocolate is what it looks like. Uh, but I think it might be cigars uh, at one point. <laughs> not, that, not that his mom made cigars, but that the ghost changed them over to cigars. I could be completely wrong about that. But anyway, what ends up happening is he gets a phone call and he he answers the phone and he's like, uh, you know, hello. And he's like, give it back you know and it's zebo wanting his nose back and so throughout the rest of the episode you know he's got this crazy ass clown 
ghosts chasing after him. It's really weird. It's really crazy. And it creeped me the hell out. I'm sorry, guys. It just did. I love this episode even still today. I can actually take it today. So I'm good with that. <sighs> Welcome to the 80s or the 90s. <laughs> but anyway, he finally ends up giving the nose back. And it's it's just a lot of fun. Shows like that when I was growing up were a lot of fun. There was another movie I wanted to talk about, but I really can't think a whole lot about it. But I remember the name of the movie was Making Contact. This little kid, his dad recently passed. I remember there was a red phone and that there was a dummy, like a ventriloquist dummy. And the dummy actually started to talk and do stuff that he wasn't supposed to be doing. Well, he did. He does. He did that stuff that he wasn't supposed to be doing. And it did not go well for any of them. Okay. It's bad news bears. And I remember at the end of the movie, like him and all of his friends end up getting caught in this old house. And like they're trying to escape. And there's like thousands of doors and every door they open up, something weird is behind it. And they're like, this is not the exit. We got to go. But why, if you're on the fifth floor, why would you open the door to think that there was an exit? I don't know. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that one. So, but before we go, because I'm about to wrap things up, uh, I wanted to take a moment because I was talking about movies and TV shows that scared me. Um, I, when I watch this movie, I'm about to talk about because this movie here is an actual cursed movie. And we'll get into that story here in just a second. But when I first watched this movie, uh, I might have been in my late 20s, early 30s. So it took me a while to get to this movie. But yeah, it is freaky. Um, but by today's standards, it's really not that terrifying. Not for me, at least. Not saying it's not a good movie. Not saying it's not scary. I'm just saying for me. It was fine. Um, but anyway, the movie we're going to talk about today is Rosemary's Baby. Okay, so here we go. By age 21, Ira Levin had written and sold two TV scripts to Network NBC, written a hit Broadway play, and his first book won the Edgar Award. But these accolades were nothing like what was yet to come. Ira Levin had been struggling to find his next big idea in 1965 and finally came up with a killer hit. When he drew inspiration from his pregnant wife while they were living in their New York City apartment. With his anxiety mounting awaiting the birth of his unborn child, an historical date came and went. June 1966 or 666. The Mark of the Beast, foretold in the book of Revelations. Ira combined all the, these things that were happening around him at the time and drew inspiration from watching and taking notes from all of this. Rosemary's baby was born, pun intended. The book was an instant success with over four million copies flying off the shelves. Capote compared Levin's writing to that of Henry James. A year later, the movie, based on the book, would begin filming, and Roman Polanski would direct. Roger Ebert wrote that Polanski outdoes Hitchcock. Cosmopolitan noted the movie as, quote, sheer perfection. All involved were praised for their work. 
Polanski was a triumph. Mia Farrow was perfect casting. Christoph Komitas had composed a perfect score. Soon after the success came the curse. Christoph Kamita was the first to suffer from the curse of Rosemary's baby. Details of what truly occurred are still unclear, but Roman Polanski would tell the story something along these lines. In the fall of 1968, Kamita, who was 37 at the time, was attending a party when horseplay and roughhousing took a turn for the worst. When Kamita, when Kamito, fell down a rocky embankment resulting in a coma, a four-month coma to be exact. Kamita never recovered and died the following year. Oddly enough, this was the same fate that befell a friend of Rosemary in Ira Levin's book. Of course, when a... Of course, when a film such as this is produced, certain groups and people are not going to be in favor of its message. This resulted in a bunch of hate mail. Producer William Castle was a constant victim of such mail. So much so, it placed him in a state of constant worry and fear. Castle soon was taken to the hospital for severe kidney stones. Castle became delirious during his time at the hospital. He soon started to hallucinate scenes from the movie and reportedly was heard yelling, quote, Rosemary, for God's sake, drop the knife, end quote. Castle barely recovered and never had another Hollywood hit again. Then, of course, the most horrendous of all these deals was. Then, of course, the most horrendous of all these was Sharon Tate, Polanski's wife, who was pregnant at the time and unfortunately met her and unfortunately met her end at the hands of Charles Manson's cult family. Sharon and her unborn child were both murdered at their Hollywood home. Writer Ira Levin finally found the success he waited for so long, but at what cost? Even though Levin was an open Jewish atheist, he said himself he was suffering from religious guilt. Before Rosemary's Baby, there was nothing even close to it in Hollywood. Hill, all involved with the movie had brought the occult front and center to the big screen. Levin would eventually write a sequel to his bestseller, and it too also became a hit with readers, but not nearly to the success of the original. That is some creepy stuff right there. And just a side note, if you want to kind of dive a little bit deeper, a little bit, not much, because that's not what the movie's about. But if you go and watch the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it kind of dives into what is it called? The Spawn Movie Ranch and the whole ordeal with uh, Charles Manson and Sharon Tate. Go watch this movie. If you have not seen it, I don't care if you're a fan of Quentin Tarantino or not. Just watching this two hour movie for the ending is freaking phenomenal. This is, I'm, I've never been a huge Brad Pitt fan, but Brad Pitt in this movie has won me over. He did awesome 
and not to mention Leonardo DiCaprio, and not to mention a killer soundtrack. Great movie all the way around. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I really do. Um, I know it's not what you're normally used to, but I do enjoy talking and kind of freebasing like this because it does give me a little bit more creative control. Yes, I I know most of my shows are scripted, but I hope you guys are liking these shows as well. Uh, It kind of gives you a little insight into me, so to speak. So, but anyway, guys and gals, until next time we meet again, take care and take care of each other. (laughs) 